0: You had three things to do, food, firewood and sleep and, you know, water, of course. And so it was very simple. You knew exactly what you were going to do when you got up. You were going to go look for food and look for firewood <laughs> and then you were going to cook your food and then you were going to chop your firewood. You know, it was like very, very, very simple.
1: No music, no podcast. No audiobooks, no journal, no pen, no books, no radio, no shelter, no camera crew, no conversation. Just you in the Arctic alone. Welcome to the safe haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. The History Channel's show, Alone, follows a group of contestants as they explore an area of the world. In Season 7, the most extreme challenge yet was the Arctic for 100 days. The stakes were high this season, with $1 million as the prize for the winner. Out of 10 contestants, two were women, and one of those women was from Ontario, Canada. I got excited about this and sitting on the couch watching the show, I told my partner that I was going to have this woman on my podcast. And here we are. Kylan made it to day 80 on her quest to 100 days alone in the Arctic. And I am thrilled to honor Kylan and her experience with my 100th episode. So fitting. Kai, all of a sudden, you're signed up to take a challenge of a lifetime, 100 days in the Arctic. How did this even happen? <laughs> uh, it's, it kind of happened really quickly and
0: sp- sporadically, actually. My husband, Dave, he applied a few years back. We had some friends um, who won season four, uh, Jim and Ted Baird we were friends with them. And so that was the first time we'd ever watched the show and Dave got sparked and just thought like, I, I would like to challenge myself like that and do that kind of quest. And I was just like, yeah, have fun with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he applied and he didn't even really tell me that he did apply it, Cause the initial application is really just a, an email. And he didn't hear back until casting for season seven which was in the spring of 2019 Mm. we had just finished our expedition season and you know I guess the casting directors kind of go on Facebook go on Instagram that kind of thing and they noticed that it was like a husband-wife team and they said oh like can your wife apply as well Um, would she be interested and so I just did I was like okay yeah like not really taking it seriously and we had to do, um, like, uh, some video of us kind of in the field doing stuff. And they said they wanted to like, you should build a shelter and that kind of thing. And I, I was not putting in very much effort because I was just like, well, whatever, like, it's just kind of a fun thing. And I'm not really super serious about it. And then, We both got called to the boot camp, which is the top 20 or 22 or three people that were selected. And so we got flown to New York and I was just like, sweet, free vacation. Like we Mm -hmm. haven't been on vacation in years. (laughs) And so, again, I was sort of just playing along, just being there. And then something like changed when I was like doing some of the interviews with the people and I was like, actually this could be a really good opportunity for me to challenge myself and kind of stretch myself and just remember what it was like to be an individual again, because Dave and I had been, have been working together. You know, we work together, we play together, we live together. Like it's just every, basically every waking minute we're together and not waking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, before I met Dave, I was you know, a fairly independent person and kind of marched to the beat of my own drum and just wanted to re-remember that I can be a strong individual. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so anyways, I think because there was, there was less women that applied than men. And so I just think they wanted both Dave and I but it would just be weird for the filming if it was like husband and wife compete against each other. And, mm-hmm. and just for our business, too, like we couldn't both of us go away for undetermined amount of time to, yeah, just let our business kind of sit there stagnant. So they chose me to go on. And, yeah, it was getting ready ever since, you know, like right after. I think we found out in late June. So we had July and August to get ready and then just took off.
1: So was there ever any point in that having made the decision, it's like, okay, holy shit, like I'm I'm going, I'm going to be alone in the Arctic. Was there any point between then and being ready to go in September that you were hesitant that you thought like, nah, I don't know about this?
0: Oh, yeah, all the time. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as it got closer and closer, I was just like... Oh, I'd be in tears, like just being like, I'm afraid. I, and I think the, my biggest fear was just fear of failure because you just don't know. You have no idea what it's going to be like because you've never done this, right? Like, yes, I've done, you know, little solos here and there, and, but like, never have I just taken, you know, the basic tools. And just go and survive. Like it's just, I'm always well provisioned on our expeditions, and so yeah, there was many nights where I was just like, I don't know. I'm so like I'm scared. And I think the biggest fear was the fear of the unknown and not knowing. Like you want to think you're going to do well, but yeah, you just you just have no idea. And uh, I was afraid of like leaving Dave and the business because like right now you know, it's September, I'd be leaving, uh, like right now, and the business is, you know, ramping up for the winter, and so I was nervous to leave him all by himself, you know, to run the show, and I know how busy it is, so while I was out there, you know, I'm counting, I'm like, oh, today is November 18th, and he's doing a presentation at the symposium, and, you know, I know how he hates presenting, and, you know, here I am having this amazing experience and he's there prepping for a presentation. And so all of that was in my head Mm -hmm. while I was out there.
1: Mm -hmm. When it comes time to go, it's like, it's go time. What was the thing that pushed you? Like that final thing? It's like, I've got this, I can do this.
0: I think it was just like a calmness that was I never once was just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make it to 100 days. And a lot of the people, like the participants, we all got really close. And every one of them were just like, Kai, you're going to crush it. Like you, you know, winter, like you've got this. And and my response to them was just, we'll see. You know, Mm -hmm. like I never once was like, oh, yeah, like for sure, I'm going to crush it. So it was always just this like, well, we're just going to go moment by moment, day by day. And all of a sudden it's day 80 and I'm out of food and fat on my body. And Mm -hmm. that was enough for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh. Yeah, that the moment I think was just like, my God, when Dave dropped me off at the airport and I had to physically walk away from him, mm-hmm. like I literally felt a piece, a piece of me had just been torn out. I'd yeah. never felt that tearing. Like it really was like I was petrified and, you know, it was when I got to Yellowknife and met all of the other participants there it was just like, okay, like this is happening. And now it's just put your game face on and Mm -hmm. no more fear.
1: And I think at that time too, you are still in September. So even though it's cold, it's not what was coming, you know? So it would have been mm-hmm. such a different experience if you had have arrived and it was already December and it was that harsh, brutal thing to just enter going from home to that nasty weather mm-hmm. that we saw or that you totally first-handedly experienced, but everyone else in the warmth of their mm-hmm. little house, you know, with their their couch to sit mm-hmm. on watching you. It was It was such an experience. And I think that the emotion that you expressed and that you talked through was where I felt most connected to you because you wear your heart on your sleeve. You talked about being a person that needs to be touched or to touch and to be with other people and to connect that way. And oh my gosh, did I resonate with so much of what you said on that. And, And as the days ticked by, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, as independent, same as you just said earlier, as independent as I am and as much as I can crush on my own being alone, mm-hmm. alone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you can't text your best friend or your mom or your, you know, husband or partner. Like it's there's yeah, you in the camera. And that's, I think why they captured so many of my thoughts and philosophies and just deep thoughts because I was just like, this camera is my Wilson. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in some ways I think it actually helped me versus not having a camera. Like if you were just alone and not trying to convey your story to you and to production, like it was in my best interest to have the camera rolling. And yes, I probably captured more emotion than some people maybe but also like that is a part of who I am. And that's probably why they chose me to go on the show because I cried in the production interview. So they're like, okay, check. She is okay with showing her Mm emotion.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that relatability was so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's what people have said. Like I've been getting so many amazing emails and messages from handwritten letters. Like it's been overwhelming the people that just by showing just a fraction of my story you know in the way that they they chose to edit it had touched people and that's really nice you know Um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that because at first when the show started airing you would get like tagged on on Facebook or whatever and and you'd click on the tag and you thought it, it started off as like something really positive and then you'd get people being like oh she just cries all the time like stop mm-hmm. crying like you knew what you were getting into and so at first I was just, like, really hurt mm-hmm. that people would see me crying and just think I'm just, like, a weak baby that sh- doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped looking. I You know, I stopped clicking on any of, any of the tags. So, you know, it's just better to protect yourself like that. Mm-hmm. But once the show finished, I mean, I haven't gotten, you know, a single negative thing. It's all just been, like, people reaching out saying that they've – you know, you've proven that you can be like a, a sensitive person, but still be strong. Like, you know, it's okay to have emotions. You just have mm-hmm. to make sure that you check your emotions and
1: carry mm-hmm. on. That was the the neatest part about the fact that the 10 of you had gone out in different places around the Arctic planning for a hundred days when it was down to the final three I was over uh-huh. the moon about the fact that two uh-huh. of the three participants were women.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think. I mean, I I obviously every single participant's story is different Mm -hmm. and everyone has their own logic of when is time. And a lot of people went out with injury and illness and you just can't mess with those types of things, right? Like it could have happened to any one of us. And, you know, so there's definitely luck involved in sort of in certain things, like whether you're the one that slips and cracks your knee And I'm sure every single one of us had a fall that was just like, oh, like, I've got to be more careful. And but yeah, I think the women and if you look at the statistics of the whole alone show and all of the seven seasons, if you divide the number of days between number of women and number of men that the women have outlasted the men proportionately. And so I'm not exactly sure what it is, but maybe it is that need to do it for someone else like you're doing you know like for me a huge motivation for me was doing it for my family and i'm not sure I, yeah i've got no idea i don't know why but there's something there that seems like women can maybe just last a little bit longer mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. but also to be fair women's metabolisms you know uh, often are slightly slower We need less, like, you know, typically we're smaller people, so we need less calories. So, you know, there's that as well, Mm -hmm. I'm sure.
1: I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about your mindset and what actually pulled you through, because there were days that, we thought even into the thirties and into the forties with how you were, because you communicated so well. And that's what I think I appreciated the most was that, like you said, when you were talking to your camera or your Wilson, you <laughs> really talked out how you were feeling in the moment. And that was so helpful for me as a viewer to really connect with right. how you were feeling emotionally. So with a mindset, I just, I see it like a chart, like just the fluctuations in how your mindset would be. How did you try and maintain a balance out in the wilderness alone? I think the main
0: principles that
1: I was running on were like the basis
0: of stoicism, where it's your perception, uh, your action and then your will. And for me, it was, there was always some good that you could find in every situation, whether it was to learn a a new skill, to try something different, to see the good and the bad, uh, and just never giving up and trying new things. And so if I was getting down, you know, there's a number of reasons to get down. Like, for example, you come upon a snare and the snare has been broken. So you know that a rabbit's in your, you know, caught in your snare, has twisted all around and broken the snare. And so now your food is hopping around with a gold necklace on his on his neck and it's like heartbreaking right Mm -hmm. like you you haven't had food and you know you haven't gotten a a fresh rabbit in two -hmm. days and you're starting to run low on food and you come upon this and you're just like it's terrible like heartbreaking and then you just you come out of it by sitting in a blueberry patch and I just you know I called it my blueberry therapy because you just You would just go sit, clear your mind, you know, get some calories in you, and then just reset your traps and, you know, set 10 more snares. And I don't know, like, you know, another thing that was really hard for me was the smoke in my shelter. Um, in my opinion, like of all of the things they, they downplayed that smoke, like it was... It looked bad on TV, but it was worse than it looked. Um, Mm -hmm. There were nights where I couldn't close my eyes because um, they were burning so badly when I would close my eyes. And then the next day I would be blind. And then my sinuses for probably a month afterwards were so sensitive to touch. Like it felt like the worst allergies that you could possibly have. And like, I just... Basically, couldn't breathe out of my nose. Uh, thankfully, my lungs feel just fine, but my back is like crippled because I would have to sit in my shelter, basically at fire level. Because the smoke would just linger. And I tried everything. Like they they I would say they downplayed how bad the smoke was, but they also downplayed how many different things I tried to improve it. And I just, I just don't understand what was going on there. And that was something where I was like, if this does not get better, like I have to tap because it's, I mean, my health is going to be really jeopardized but i don't know the mental the mental part of it was definitely a challenge and i just always tried to change my perception of just even just about like how bad things are because you know when you think about survivors of of war and starvation and people you know are dealing with so many worse off things than I was that I, I really tried to put it in perspective to just be like, this isn't so bad. Think about prisoners of war that, you know, are away for 12 years and like, Mm -hmm. or like people lost at sea and that kind of thing. You know, I tried to just like think about people that were worse off than me and just realize, Oh, actually I'm doing pretty good.
1: Mm -hmm. Something that also it brought me to tears. (laughs) was the gratitude there's there's a moment and so you and I were actually originally supposed to record a couple weeks ago and it was before Mm -hmm. the last episode and oh my Mm -hmm. gosh am I glad that we waited because it was the episode after (laughs) we'd made that decision that you caught those fish and we're like skipping around on the ice and jumping around the screen of the tv and I was bawling because I was so happy for you and your reaction was a combination of holy shit oh my gosh i'm so excited my gratitude is literally exploding out of my eyeballs it was just everything in one it was such a it was such a beautiful moment
0: yeah <laughs> it was november 12th will it forever be my fishy squishy day like i just uh, every day every november 12th i'm going to have a fish feast because yeah that was like the best best moment of my life, you know, like apart from my wedding day and maybe a few others, like that was like the, <laughs> I, and, and I think they like, they did me justice there with the, the fish dance, but to give it a little bit more context, you know, they made it look like it was okay. The ice is in, I'm on the ice. I catch my fish, but it wasn't, it was six days of fishing before I caught that fish mm-hmm. and so I was already like this is my chance and then like six days goes by and I hadn't caught a fish yet so when I did yeah it was just <laughs> it really was like a release because I found myself I wouldn't cry when I didn't get something a person <laughs> Okay. Hank, it's okay, (laughs) buddy.
1: Go get her. Go on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Go on. I love seeing your Instagram updates about Hank, by the way, and his backpack. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so to give it a little bit more context, it was, you know, six days after I had started fishing. Um, And, yeah, when I started crying, it was a release of that tension mm-hmm. about uh, of holding it in like holding it together keep it together kylan like don't give up this will happen just keep going and then when you get that prize then you can let go of all of that tension that you were holding on to just for that, you know, brief moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was describing being out there and your highs are like higher than any high you've ever experienced and your lows end up being lower than anything that you've experienced. I think it, it's just amplified because you literally are going meal to meal, you know, and I, I, if any one of us, any other nine of us had gotten a big game, like it just would have, it's understated how much of a game changer that is because you're looking at basically a hundred days of food. If you catch a big game, right? Whereas if you catch a rabbit, you're looking at one or two days of food. So yes, you get a brief moment of relief, but that tension is still always looming over your head. Like this is great. I need more. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you can be thankful. So when I got that fish and it was like that, I got two fish that day. And so they really did like, I mean, that, that timeline was accurate where they were like, I caught my first fish. I gutted the first fish used the guts, on my hook and within like 10 minutes I caught my second fish. Mm-hmm. And so like to then have 10 days of food compared to the one or two days with rabbits was just I mean it was it was epic. I mean mm-hmm. to be able to relax, you know, it's like it's like a reset button, but unfortunately at that point I had already lost a lot of my fat reserves and you know, I ended up, of course, losing those three fish, which probably would have taken me to the end, but it just was too,
1: too little, too late. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned a fat reserve. I'm super curious. Did you or other participants try and pack on as much as you could prior to September?
0: For sure. Yeah. So when we found out in like late June, we had two months to buy all our gear, get it ready. I made a lot of my clothing and gear. So it was go, go, go. But one of the other, the biggest survival item that I thought that would be helpful was gaining weight. And man, what an experience that was. I was drinking olive oil. I went on like a ketogenic diet. So because that's very similar to what you would naturally find in the wild. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fish, And then I would do steamed vegetables and then I had these like this keto shake, which is just like a, you know, like a protein powder is high in protein Well, this keto powder is high in fat. And so I would do like a couple scoops of that with high fat yogurt, table cream or whipping cream (laughs) and a half a cup of olive oil and then like a half a cup of peanut butter. And yeah, it was just like, oh, man, it was the only way that I could get that many calories in me because, mm-hmm. uh, of course, it was the heat of summer. I ended up being able to gain 20 pounds, which was huge uh, for me because, yeah, I mean, I'd never been that heavy in my life. And you can see in the pictures, my face is pretty <laughs> round. But, you know, the the funny thing is, is like because it's what they call like extra fat, you lose it exponentially faster than you would, like, regular weight. I lost all of my extra weight in 20 days, but for me, I was like, well, that was 20 extra days that I gave myself, basically. So mm-hmm. let's say it was a good, good choice.
1: Yeah, heck yeah. I'm just so curious about that in itself, though. When you've gained a bunch of weight, you have very nourishing food and some extra yummy treats on the side, <laughs> and then you go to... Having to find your own food. Mm -hmm. I feel like because (laughs) I'm addicted to sugar, I would have such a hard time. And I (laughs) recognize that you, you know, you prepped yourself with keto, but I feel like my own cravings or things that I would have become accustomed to would really hit my gut fast. Did you experience Mm -hmm. that? So
0: I quit coffee, I quit wine, I quit chocolate all a month before I left so that I would. Just get accustomed to the more like bland diet, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to train myself not to have those cravings beforehand. Whereas some people, they they struggled with the weight gain, and so a lot of times people were just trying to pack it on with carbs, like really heavy, you know, chips and pizza and beer and that kind of thing. And so you can get a what's called a keto headache, and so when your body switches from being on a regular kind of balanced diet to more of a protein and fat diet. You can get these headaches because your brain isn't used to converting fat into energy. So I avoided the keto headache, which was really great. And I actually felt like I adjusted really well to that diet. My land offered quite a bit of blueberries and also cranberries. So, I was able to have those yummy treats, you know that were sugary, mm-hmm. and I had to get used to, I had to get used to the cranberries because they were quite tart, but yeah. once once that's all you've got, you know you you get used to them pretty quick.
1: Mm-hmm. You did mention chocolate a lot, <laughs> yeah, and I
0: probably <laughs> mentioned chocolate. Like oh I don't know a hundred more times than they actually showed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my cravings and I think it's across the board with a lot of the participants that the cravings end up being things that you're missing in your diet. So sugar, fat. You know, like I was craving my mom's Christmas baking like crazy to the point where I actually had this whole thing going where I was going to my when I got home I was going to open up a, a dessert food truck with my mom and it would be Sandra G's desserts and I was like no they sh- it should be Sandra G's gourmet desserts and uh you know like I was thinking about her Nanaimo bars and her chocolate covered cherries rolled in coconut and like oh man I was craving it hard and then it turned and I I think they showed it where I was just kind of craving simple things just like cup of coffee with cream mm-hmm. you know like that's mm-hmm. just you know I was yeah. like throwing a croissant on the side
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> what was your first meal back in civilization well uh fish
0: <laughs> I, I wanted fish so bad because when I caught those fish I could just Feel the nourishment, like unbelievable compared to the rabbits. You know, I'd spent 56 days living off of rabbits, mushrooms, and berries. And having that first fish, I just immediately felt nourished like to my bone and so I just vowed to eat so much fish when I got home and uh that was the first meal that I was just like yes like we need this and we had a goose for for Christmas so I ended up being home just in time for Christmas which was really nice Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, but they put you on a refeeding program. Like at the the lodge, after you you finish, you go to the lodge and you start your refeeding plan. So they start you off really simply, and they feed you like bone broths and make sure you're getting rehydrated. And and then they go into like simple things and breads and and uh, nuts and fruit and that kind of thing, and make sure that your digestion is going okay. And, Mm -hmm. and then by the end, then you're on to like steak potatoes kind of thing where they're Mm -hmm. introducing you to kind of regular foods.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear that they do that. That's a really neat way to kind of reintegrate you because my next question, I'm really interested in knowing about like, so for 80 days, you had no conversations with anyone, but your camera, (laughs) there was no other person for interaction, for warmth, for a hug, for great conversation, laughs, nothing. No journal, no radio, no podcasts, no books, no nothing. Like, <laughs> like that's why I think when it's called alone, people don't realize just how alone you can be. And mm-hmm. I'm super curious about kind of that culture shock or that reintegration back into a day to day. Did it feel loud? Did it feel too much? Was it overstimulating too much? Like, how was that?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was. I'm really lucky that I live in in the bush Mm -hmm. so coming home was like a really nice transition for me like of course the airport was a bit overwhelming but once I got home I found the hardest thing to reintegrate because we were jumping right into our busiest season was all of the multitasking I was finding it really challenging and I would get overwhelmed really quickly because Mm -hmm. out there you had three things to do, food, firewood and sleep and, you know, water, of course. And so it was very simple. You knew exactly what you were going to do when you got up, you were going to go look for food and look for firewood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you were going to cook your food and then you were going to chop your firewood. You know, it was like very, very, very simple. So when I got back, then there was emails and, uh, you know, I had to do food packing and gear checking and managing two staff that we had. And all of a sudden, my brain was supposed to be firing like normal, and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really frustrating to me because I finished the experience enlightened and energized and felt so powerful. Um, I felt like I could do anything right and then I got home and I was like what like I can't and so that was like really a struggle for me to come to terms with it because I was like well and like clearly I'm not Mm -hmm. um but you know I just had to be patient with myself and talking with past participants was really helpful because they said, no, no, like it took me a year to get back to normal or like it took, you know, I'm still working on it and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think the experience itself doesn't just last the 80 days that you were out there or however long you were out there. It was it's a, a life changing experience and you have to figure out your new normal. Yeah, I mean I do feel stronger today in what like I feel wiser, like I can see through surface anxiety or like worries, you know, where you like you might otherwise get worried about something, but then just through your experience out there, you can just be like, ah, that's nothing. Like it'll be fine. Or (laughs) Mm -hmm. but my body is still recovering for sure. I've got like general aches and pains. It takes me I've been working out and trying to stay healthy. But I still, like, I think my recovery time is quite a bit longer. I still have these, like, aches in my back from, I think, just slouching over so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, my hair is flat, dry, and crispy. But, yeah, overall, I mean, I'm, I feel really good about the experience. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's not just the 80 days.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's an incredible experience that very few people will actually be able to have. So what a, what a gift. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was for sure. And I'm still learning.
1: What were the the biggest takeaways or the biggest lessons that you've been able to bring forward into your business with Lure of the North?
0: Yeah, well, I think I'm still learning what those lessons are. um, Because I think now that the show has just finished airing, I I can try to get back to some normalcy. Mm -hmm. But I think... One of the takeaways for me is being okay with pushing myself, pushing the business, pushing our schedule, because I know, like, we can do this, like, we can do anything. And we do ambitious trips, you know, with participants, and I've never felt nervous about doing a trip but at the same time I also sometimes worry about all of the things that need to get done in order to make those trips happen and Mm -hmm. just not being afraid of like asking for help and and getting help and I don't know like also just making sure that I'm doing what I want to be doing and so if our business has like a certain aspect of it that I don't like well I'm I'm gonna change that because Life is too short to do something that you don't enjoy. And there's obviously some things that you have to do that you don't necessarily enjoy, like your taxes, (laughs) the little tasks that you wouldn't otherwise enjoy because life is too short to, to not enjoy what you're doing.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. I have a couple questions about your expedition. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I've seen some of the posts that you guys have been creating I, are really preparing for your next huge expedition let's hear about that
0: yeah so we had done sections of this uh the Missanabe river before it connects uh james bay to uh lake superior so it was the historical fur traders fur traders route uh in canada linking the two bodies of water and uh so we had done we've done a few sections of it before and when you look at the map of Ontario you just see this perfect link between Superior and James Bay Mm -hmm. and it just to me it's just so alluring and so yeah we've decided to try and do it all at once and and get people to sign on with it
1: yeah that is spectacular what a way to connect with that area of land holy Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's a really special special place and it's the, it's the only undammed river into James Bay anymore. So it's like a pretty special place.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's in 2022. And so will, will you have a cap on how many people you can actually bring for the whole journey?
0: Yeah, 10. So 10 plus Dave and I, so it'll be a group, group of 12. Oh! Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, congrats. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We were, we were going to be happy if we could just get like four people mm-hmm. and like, you know, we're just like, yeah, and that would be a nice small group. And it's like, okay, like this is happening. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Really exciting. And uh, yeah, we thought it would be pretty cool if um, we could film it uh, and maybe make a, a documentary around it as well. It's fr- in March So it's going to start in January Mm -hmm. of 2022. So not this coming winter, but next winter. Okay. Because we figured we needed to give people time to like book off, you know, 90 days of their lives. Mm -hmm. So this coming season, we're doing like a regular season with, you know, um, one and two week trips. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be the January of 2022 that we start and it will go into, I guess, April.
1: Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listeners, sorry about the change in sound here. We really fought some internet connection issues with this call, which I'm hoping you haven't picked up yet, because if you haven't noticed that, it means that I'm doing very well with the production side of this podcast. I did, however, leave a real moment where Kylan and I reconnected on the phone. So here we go. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, I just had a couple more questions for you that are kind of safe haven style. Yep. What are you most proud of?
0: (laughs) Um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is probably uh, continuously pushing through what I thought was my limit. Mm. I think I had hit my limit many times or what I thought my limit was. And I continuously proved to myself that by just changing or tweaking my perception a little bit meant that I could continue on and, uh, you know, live another day. And, and then also like enjoying it as well. So that was one of the biggest things was like, I don't want to do this if I'm just, if it's just going to be a suffer fest, you know, and I managed to really truly enjoy the experience and I hope that came across in in the show I think they they did focus on my emotions quite heavily because well I expressed them um but there are a lot of things that you missed too of course you're just seeing like a fraction of the experience mm-hmm. but yeah I think I was most proud of just not giving up and And then I would. I would have these, like, small victories and, you know, would realize, like, yes, like, I'm doing it. Like, let's keep going. And, yes. So just pushing through that sort of adversity and and being able to change your perception of of what actually is happening. Mm
1: -hmm. Was it hard to watch back? Yeah. It was frustrating
0: at first because... Every time i see myself cry, it's like, well, it didn't quite happen, you know, exactly like that, or, like, mm-hmm. they rushed it. And, and I mean, one of the most heartbreaking things for me was that they went from episode 10 ending on day 56, and then the last episode. So, like, my last 30 days yeah. were, like, three scenes. mm mm-hmm. And so it was, like, frustrating because it was, like, they oversimplify things, right? With my whole tap out was just, like, well, I'm out of food. My mind is my worst enemy, and I'm going home. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I saw it. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard because, obviously, those last 30 days, I mean, it was freaking winter, and, like, things were happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But... Then when I got like all this amazing feedback from people, I'm just like, you know what? It doesn't matter that I think that they rushed my story because some people are touched by it. And so that's, you know, that's what matters. And, you know, I know the very fine, minute details of the whole thing and I can choose to share that with people or not. And that's that's my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will never change the experience that I had. so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, that's such a personal thing, right? To, n- no matter what they actually show or how they edit. And I yeah. was surprised too actually that when they said the finale, I'm like, wait a second, how do you wrap up 30 something days in three hours yeah. on TV between three people? That just did not and especially too because then yeah. they had the check-ins with you guys at the end that it kind of took away yeah. from that three hours. I was I was quite surprised by that too actually. Yeah. Um, and then watching it back, is there anything, or now knowing what you do, is there anything that you would do differently if given this opportunity again?
0: Um, I probably wouldn't be so hard on myself. Mm. I think a lot of the things that I, you know, when I say like, I think, you know, you can be your own worst enemy. I think that's true in a lot of ways. And I was truly concerned that Dave was at home worried about how it should have you know it should have been him out on this experience Mm. and I took it from him and and I put a lot of pressure on myself to do really well for him you know to make him feel good about like okay like like if I went home early I felt like maybe he would have thought well if I had gone out I would have done better (laughs) but like when I got home or when I even just talked to him on the phone for the first time, he just like burst into tears. He was in hysteria. Like he just was like, I love you. I love you. I love you. Like, I just need you. Like, come home. Like I need you. And it was the complete opposite of what I was thinking, what was going Mm -hmm. through his head. And so I think if I, yeah, if I had a redo, I'd be a lot less hard on myself and that might've made me, miss home less like not in a in a way that i you know obviously i would still miss them but i mean like felt like i i needed them and i needed to go home or like just being so hard on myself i think i would have been just more grateful for the experience for every single day of what i had accomplished and and yeah don't get me wrong i was super grateful for every single day and every single rabbit and squirrel and mm-hmm. uh, fish But uh, I think I just would have maybe been a little less hard on myself Mm -hmm. seeing seeing each rabbit as a greater victory than being like, great, there's
1: another rabbit. Now I need, you know, 10 more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's what another one of my girlfriends had said. When there was so much of a connection between you and Dave and uh, beliefs or things that you had in your mind that were happening back home, uh, missing him, all of these things, and then looking at the shared collection of skills that you and Dave have is imagine the two of you out there together. Like, there's no question you could do forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did say, I. like, people have asked me, oh, would you do it again? And I say, well, no, probably not. I probably don't need to be alone again like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I uh, honoured the experience and I'm grateful for it, but uh, I already knew that my biggest weakness would be, like, being alone alone. But if they did do a couple season, I think that Dave and I would kick butt. Oh yeah, sure. you would. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you want to be known for? Well, I mean, I guess,
0: I guess, just the uh, power of will and like tenacity of, of not giving up when things get hard. Mm. I'm, you know, I consider myself a, a very average, regular person um, that can accomplish great things like i a lot of people like we get a lot of credit in our industry for being you know leaders in the field and inspiration to people who want to like move off grid and and get stuff done um and i'm honored to be in that position but i also want people to know that I'm just a regular person that Mm -hmm. can put their head down and just keep working. Like it, it didn't come from a trust fund. It didn't come from winning the lottery. Like it came from just work equity and just doing one step in front of the other. And, uh, and I think that's what I showed, you know, on, on alone and in just our lives in general is that you just have to keep going and uh, not give up and mm-hmm. when you hit a wall either go around it or go over it uh, or break through it you know that's either way you got to get around it so mm-hmm. I think that's that's a, a big message that I think I would like to, people to know is that you can you can you can do anything uh you know just sometimes you might have to do it a different way or mm-hmm. or just figure out a, a different a different alternative altogether.
1: Mm-hmm. I love this. I've got one more that's a bit of a change up. How often do you create or check back with goals business wise? Because you and Dave have a very quickly growing business. And is that something that you check back in with often as it grows and just kind of make sure that it's in alignment with your values and shared visions?
0: Constantly. Yeah, we're constantly checking in. Uh, readjusting, reevaluating what our business is doing. And I think it's really easy to do that because it's just Dave and I, like we have helpers and staff come in and out of, of the year, but because we live out in the bush, like having someone come and like live with us for six months, is just like, it's a lot. So we, we, we try, we try and just have like helpers come in and out. So when it's just the two of us, doing every single task you you get really acquainted with what's working and what's not working Mm -hmm. and so yeah I find we're always adjusting and and that's the best thing about owning your own business is that you can truly follow your passion there are times where you're doing something because you know that specifically is a really good income maker for, you know, that portion of your business. But that's just reality. Like you can't live off of Cajun Sparkle like uh, Mm -hmm. Callie can. uh, If you want to run a successful business, which I freaking love. And if I had had more Cajun Sparkle, maybe I would have made it to day 90 as well.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. I saw that whole Cajun Sparkle thing. She's so funny. Yeah, it's adorable. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you online? Uh, We have
0: our website, which is lurethenorth.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, all at lurethenorth, L-U-R-E of the North. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Thank you so, so much for your time today. I know that we had some technical difficulties and glitches in there, but your time means the world to me. Thank you so much for sharing.
0: Mm, You are very welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Ah, I think you could hear the smile on my face when wrapping up that conversation with you, Kylan. Thank you so much for joining me on The Safe Haven. I cannot wait to chat with you again in the next few weeks and to hear all about you and your life outside of the TV show alone. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, Please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to all your friends and share it in your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that helps this podcast really grow. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.